Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. Basic Folk. I'm your host, Cindy House. So nice to have you here. Basic Folk is where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. And today on the podcast is our very first live recorded episode, Basic Folk Live at Club Passim, which is this incredibly legendary historic folk club in Harvard Square in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And in this episode, we're going to hear Melissa Farrick in uh, conversation and also through music. Before we get into what we talk about, let's thank our sponsors for Basic Folk. Basic Folk is brought to you in part by Tina and Her Pony, a queer duo bringing traditional Appalachian music and vocal harmonies into the 21st century. Visit tinaandherpony.com. Basic Folk is live at Club Passim with Melissa Farrick. This is the first episode that we've ever done like this. We had uh, a live event at Club Passim in Harvard Square. It was awesome. If you came, thank you so much for participating. Uh, and if you watched the video stream, thank you. Uh, so Melissa Farrick, the indie folk songwriter, genius lesbian icon, joined us for our very first live recording of the podcast just a couple weeks ago. Uh, we get honest conversation and live music from Melissa, who recently moved to Cambridge, graduated grad school at Harvard, and got a new teaching job at Northeastern. So a couple things going on in her life right now. She played songs from her latest self-titled album that came out in 2017, as well as one new song while talking about details of the song lyrics and her life. Melissa, who claimed that she was normally asleep by the time she hit the stage, which was uh, around 9 o'clock, was charming, funny, and jeez, those songs sounded amazing. All right, um, before we get into this awesome episode, I want to say that my dad opened the evening playing a few songs on accordion, including the Basic Folk theme song, which we'll hear a little bit of, and then we'll get to our conversation and performance with Melissa Farrick on Basic Folk. Welcome to the stage, Melissa Farrick. Hi. Hi, friend. Hi, friend. Um, so, you can't go to Pittsburgh with, you, without seeing you. And so now, I mean, not that I go to Pittsburgh anymore, but it's right. just, it, it isn't the same place without you, even though I'm not there. Right. So we're, <laughs> so it's like we're in Pittsburgh, but we're in Cambridge, where it's all supposed to happen. Pitts Cambridge? Pitts Cambridge. Pitts Cambridgean? Cambridgeburg. How about Cambridgeburg? All right. Well, 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 listen, let's take a Facebook poll. If Lindsay is still streaming online, not. can you post a Facebook? <laughs> okay. Never mind. Okay. No, I don't care. I don't. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Melissa Farrick. Thank you. Such so a pleasure you. to have you here. Thanks. I'm usually asleep by now, so this is like, oh, man. this is major. For me. This is major for everyone in the room. Yeah, I, think everyone I, I, I know. I'm a, I'm a young one from the, from the looks of it here. No, no offense. <laughs> it's law school. We'll do that So Melissa, Melissa, Melissa Farrick, I, I would imagine that 99% of the people in the room are familiar, but let's just do a quick recap. Raised in Ipswich, Massachusetts. Got about a baker's dozen albums, not including live records. The last record was released in 2015. Self-titled. Yeah, yeah there's, okay. a, there's a point behind that. That was thought out. 
On your um, Berkeley College of Music professorial page, it mm-hmm. says that you have performed more than 10,000 shows. Yes, that is true. Yeah. So what we're going to do is talk about every one of them. Which is, which is <laughs> what's wrong with me. <laughs> uh, what's great, what's cool is that you've been concentrating on your teaching career at mm-hmm. Berkeley, um, where you're an associate professor of songwriting. True. I was. I'm now a professor of the practice at Northeastern University. Okay. Whoa. Thank you. When did that happen? Um, This morning. No, I'm joking. (laughs) No, it happened uh, in in May, right at the end of the academic year at Berkeley. Um, Yeah, I was offered a a new job, which was great. It's an awesome opportunity. That's amazing. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a a research institute, and I really want to do some concentrate on researching the intersection of psychopathology and creativity and so this I think will open up some doors for me and help me to learn and and I want to continue my education too so I love Berkeley it's my alma mater but I'm really looking forward to kind of getting to this next level here wow yeah we'll see and you just got your master's at Harvard yep I did wow yeah, so May was not a big month. I moved no. to Cambridge. I oh left a job and got a new job and graduated from grad school. So. No big deal. No big deal. And also you are... I did not get a new cat. I no. almost got a new cat. And then I was like, probably that not a good much. idea. Me too much. I have a kitten like flying through the air while all that's happening. Just, yeah, maybe like wait <laughs> I'm gonna a wait month. a year. I'm yeah. going to wait a year. Right, right. So a lot of balancing going on there, and you also have a family. Yeah, I do. Can you mm-hmm. tell us just a little bit about your family? Sure. I inherited a whole family kind of um, seven years, well, five years ago. Yep. So my partner, Alicia, and I live here in Cambridge. She's a writer, and um, we've known each other for seven years. What kind years, of writer? Um, she's a creative nonfiction writer. She just got her MFA at Emerson. We were in grad school together at the same time with three children. So, and it, it yeah. We're, and we're, you know, I'm 48, she's 41. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're lunatics. We're Great. the best couple ever. Really good fun to hang out with. But, but we're like, I'm coming! Do, do you, you have my child? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And no cats. No, I have one cat. Okay, good. Because yeah. I'm like, what kind of lesbians are no, you? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> we're all the kinds. <laughs> yeah. No, so, yeah, I'm thrilled. This is a totally different way of life. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I took the gig at Berkeley doing five-week program, which is this amazing summer program that they have when I turned 40. It kind of just happened at the same time that I had really hit a wall with touring nationwide in a car, 200-plus shows a year. I had done it since I was 20, and I was 40, and I just couldn't take it. My body couldn't take it, and my balance, my spirit couldn't take it. And um, anyway, that's kind of... uh, The Berkeley thing happened, and that kind of helped land me, and then... Alicia happened, and I, not, I don't know, really, time goes by so much faster. Like, remember when you're little and your parents would say that to you, and you'd be like, you just don't believe anything they tell you because they don't know anything. They're Except old. my parents who are in the audience. Yeah. They know everything. But now that we're old, we, we think our parents are, I mean, I do. I think my parents, is, parents are awesome. They're, they're just amazing people, yeah. You know, but when you're young, it's just like, I don't know. So I'm hoping, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope that these, these kids think I'm really smart when they're like 32, so I got like another 20 years. It's really kind of a hopeless case at this point, though, to hopeless, be like, yeah. 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 Well, well, that's good. I mean, you just, just got to give up trying at that point. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. That's, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to play a song? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Sorry, I really am asleep by now. That just totally fell off there at the end. Sorry. Do you need anything? Oh, that's a that's a dangerous question. <laughs> I mean, I have so many answers. Melissa, first um, question: Do you I, need yeah, anything? Right? Yes, I do. Um, so I just moved to Cambridge, and it's uh, this. So this is the first show I've played since May, which is weird for me. So um, this guitar is happy to be out. I can feel it. She's like, oh, breathing air. Well, I'm gonna let go with everything I've got. Yeah, I'm gonna let you see me. Cause if I believe that nothing is stronger than love, then I better give this everything I've got. Time 
isn't waiting for me to get ready so I'm gonna step up yeah, onto the stage go ahead throw a spotlight right into my face because I am not hiding I do not need a break go ahead and look at me Our happiness I suspect are deeply sad People who sit in judgment of us Are twisting words to justify the stance That love is wrong Stop trusting Yeah, open up your eyes Because we are standing On the edge of the rest of our lives I know it's been exhausting To be brave for this long But we are approaching The scenic view I want to talk about this line where you say, so you wrote, that song came out in 2015. Correct. The world was a different place. Yeah, I mean, Hillary Clinton was the president. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Remember that night? This, yeah. (laughs) No. I know. Blacked out. Uh, up until this moment. Um, this line, I know it's been exhausting to be brave for this long, but we are approaching the scenic view who is that line for? Uh, to be completely honest with you, that what I saw in my head when I wrote that, which were the women that came before me from Michigan Women's Festival. That's what I saw in my head was like Lisa Vogel. So like the 70-year-old bef- yeah, like bef- women with a Y who yeah. like created the land, like the Amazon dykes who like really need their own space and like you know what I mean but like they like um like Farron you know or like Joan Armatrading you know like the women that the queer women that were either out or not out I don't know I just like if you don't know anything about the Michigan Women's Festival it doesn't exist anymore but it started in like the 70s and all these women would gather like months before the music festival and they would build the entire festival and there are these amazing photographs of women like creating stages and I mean just kind of tears makes me tear up there's so many women who go there to heal and so it's a really safe space and um I don't know, when I wrote that, that's what I saw in my head. And I'm not, I've played Michigan before, but it's not like it's a big part of my life story or anything. But I find that interesting with songwriting is like, sometimes the strangest people will suddenly come into my consciousness, or unconsciousness, out of my unconscious, like into the front of my brain. And then like, I'm writing about them. I don't really know how else to describe it. Do you know, like, I'm one of those people that, like, if I think about somebody, like, they call me in, like, either the next day or, like, in a couple hours. And also, I've heard that this happens to other writers, which is at some point, I actually know when it was. It was when I made um, The Truth Is, the record before this last one. I started writing the future. Like, I started writing what would happen to me rather than what has happened to me. It's like this weird kind of uh, space of, I don't know, admitting what's going to come without really acknowledging that the shit's going to go down or whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, is that, that's intuition. 
I guess I, I yeah, I, I just know that I've read a few articles about of other uh, creative types, different kinds that have talked about this happening to them before. And it's mm-hmm. kind of unnerving, you know, like, like I'll listen to the record later and be like, that's so weird because then I did this. I mean, you can also flip the script on that and be like, yeah, well, it also relates to this. So yeah. I kind of poo-poo everything, I think, because I'm like, yeah, wah, wah. I'm a critic. Like, as soon as I think I've thought of something interesting, I'm like, that's not interesting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, totally. The bridge in that song. I want to talk oh, about that, thanks. too. Okay. Um, yeah. You were able to write about the offender mm. and granting them some understanding. Um, yeah. The line is, people who don't want to see our happiness, I suspect, are deeply sad. And you said that was a clear mark of writing from a new place for you. So interested in knowing how your life perspective on giving the offender some understanding, how did that perspective grow with your writing? Thanks for liking that line, first of all. Like, it's nice to have somebody, like, say something nice about something. Because I love, I'm proud of that line, you know what I mean? So, like, as people, it's nice to, it's nice to appreciate each other. So thank you for that. Yeah, being able to see my part in everything <laughs> has been a life, is a lifelong process, right? So, like, what is my part in this? Whether it's something upsetting or whatever, I always have a part in it. So being able to flip the script on this has a lot to do with a spiritual way of life. I'm the person who's, like, in the car, and when the person cuts you off and the person is pissed off in the car, like, I'm the one who's, like, they might have, like, an animal who's dying in the car. <laughs> I really am. I, like, I try to, like, I really do. Empathy. Not, I do, and I don't, ha- and I, a lot of times I do have to remember to think that way, but it happens. So, like, this Trump guy is, like, really, he's really hurt. He's really in a lot of pain. That must be a really hard way to live, and so I wish him nothing but happiness and um, relief, you know? If there, if there is anger and if there's sadness, like why perpetuate? Yeah, for me, that's what I have to do. We have like Rapino out there. Like we have, other, I have people, there's, everybody does their <laughs> own thing. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's great at what they're great at, which is why it's great to be alive. So there are, we have our fighters and we totally. have our, you know, prayers and we have our cheerleaders and we have our carriers and our, you know, our, our athletes and our speed runners and our swimmers. I could go on and on. Before make we me, move, make me play something or something. Oh wait, well, it's <laughs> terrible. Sorry. I have another. I have okay. another can of worms that maybe we could open All right. here. Um, how was Pride Month for you? Mm. The fiftieth anniversary of Stonewall. Yeah, this has been like one of the most memorable Pride Months I've ever had, and guess why? Because I'm not working. This is the most time off I've ever had, like since I went before school, like kindergarten. Well, well, summers. I had summers off when I was a kid, but only till I was 14, and then my parents made me get a job. I was a dishwasher. So, you know, this is a long... I've been off, like off. I, have not, I don't have a computer, you guys. So it's just great. I don't know. I've been seeing all sorts of things on the interwebs with the <laughs> flags, and I'm noticing that there are, like, buildings lit up in rainbow colors. I just, I'm just a noticing, and I'm in a noticing phase. And... Um, when I graduated from Hugsy, I went to the grad school of education here. Um, we had a, uh, a lavender graduation, so I got to go to that, and the kids came. And um, that was really amazing. And there were high school students who came and spoke about gender equality and being non-binary. And, all, you know, it's just like, and then I got to have conversations with the kids on the way home about, like, you know, pansexual. So pansexual is this. And non-binary means this. And then if you're... So it's hearts, not parts. Hearts, not parts. So I was like, yeah, that's what it's all about. I really like that. Hearts, not parts. That's what they said. Question. Um, <laughs> Should I write a song called Hearts, Not Parts? Yes. kind of hard to even find our hearts, not parts. Did you just call Harvard Hugsy? Hugsy, yeah. It's a... Yeah, Harvard Graduate School of Education, otherwise known as Hugsy, because we give hugs. That's nice. Do you want to play another song? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what song am I playing now? I wrote it on my arm. Stars. Stars outnumber okay. our hearts, not parts. <laughs> I win! Wow, that was a great <laughs> podcast moment. 
Well, this song, I'll just quickly tell you. I, when I, so one of the classes I teach at Berkeley, I asked them to write a song about a very, very short period of time, like no more than a couple hours, and the beginning, middle, and end of it. And the best song that I've heard yet handed in from that, I know Caroline is here. She was a student of mine. She works here at Passim now. Was a song called um, Waffles. Uh, wait, was it Waffles and Chicken and Waffles? And the first, it was about three and a half minutes of this guy's life. And the first verse was ordering the waffles. The second verse was paying for the waffles. And the, so drive up window. And then the third verse was, you know, getting the waffles. And then the chorus was just chicken and waffles, chicken and waffles. Yeah, San Diego. And it was like, <laughs> it was like the great, I was like, I, I, it was so good, you know, so simple and like. Dumb it down a bit, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So I dumbed it down a bit, and because they were like, "Where's your song, Mrs. Ferrick?" And I didn't have one, so I went and wrote one for them. So this is called "Stars Outnumber Our Hearts and Parts." It was dinner time in this tiny seaside town. Dogs were barking, kids were laughing. I was counting the days left till fall The sun was setting heavy The moon traced paper thin And I was getting ready To go out and get my fill Of oysters so sweet Small and cold A dozen oysters to help me Taste the beauty in getting old Because the smaller the thing, the bigger it feels The less these days I gotta worry about Cause you got the kind of smile that holds me down Simpler the words, the more they mean And the less I try to fix you, the more I can fix me Yeah, you got the kind of smile that holds me down Hey, you seen the whole town was out that night with their sun tanned hands and their sandy chains And while the local band started digging in The volume of happiness completely shut down Every cell phone and every TV Everybody's pretense of it's all about me And so we grabbed our drinks, grabbed our chairs Headed towards the exit and walked outside We went into the streets, people poured out of cars And all at once it seemed We were all looking up to witness a display being put on by the mystic Oh, the whole dome of stars that night Never had darkness looked so bright Yeah, never had silence sounded so right And then this lady next to me just off the cuff said You know, stars outnumber our hearts Everything inside of me just took a breath and stopped. Stars outnumber our hearts. Because the smaller the thing, the bigger it feels. The less these days I gotta worry about. Hey, you got the kind of smile that holds me down. Yeah, the simpler the words, the more they mean The less I try to fix you, the more I can fix me You got the kind of smile that holds me down Yeah, I said it's true Your smile holds me down So the lights came back on I closed out my check and started back home With the knowingness that my capacity To have a little bit of fun had grown With a moment a memory that I would always hold A perfect night in August When I got good at getting old oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Gotten good with getting old yeah, 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 yeah. Getting good with getting old yeah, 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 yeah. Getting good with getting old <laughs> Thank you. All right, I want to talk about that song, Stars Outnumber Our Hearts. Um, it's okay. It's a really interesting song, and I want to know what role aging has in that tune. Yeah, so my birthday's in September, so it was uh, August, and I hadn't written the song in that spring semester, and it wore on me how they were like, how come you didn't write a song? 
and it, and then it was uh, and Alicia was working at a oyster restaurant up the street in Newburyport where I was living called Brine. It's a wonderful restaurant, and they have wonderful oysters. And I had never really been into oysters before, and then I was like obsessed with them. And they're they're not cheap, you know what I mean? So I was like, I mean, how many oysters can you eat? A lot, a lot of them. It's not like something that you feel like I'm suddenly full. I don't understand. You just I'm like, how many do you eat? I don't know. When they say, like, how do you order? I'm like, well, what do people do? Six? Twelve? Yeah, for one person? Is that normal? I don't know what normal is. This is the problem. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, why, that's what happened. I was, um, so the whole idea was, like, it, that's, a, that's a food that you would think, oh, grown-ups like that food. Mm-hmm. Like caviar, right? Or, um, you know, avocado. Scampi. <laughs> Lobster roll. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't mean avocado. I meant artichoke. You know, and you just, just eat the bit of it. Seems like a lot to waste. So anyways, oysters. <laughs> I hope you'll have me back. I hope I'm doing well. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> You're so great. Oh, my God. Okay, so what I wanted to talk about in that song, there's lots of references to, like, getting good with getting old. Right. And I've had the opportunity to have a couple different conversations with people like Emily Saliers and Jonathan Brooke about that feeling as you get older. And I've heard from, for women, it's one thing. And then I've heard for men, it's also a thing that invisibility really sets in. But sometimes it seems, like, so conflicting because... Sometimes I feel like I crave that invisibility yeah. that comes with getting older, but I'm like not mm-hmm. at a point yet where it's like registered with men that like, hey, just like leave me alone. Right. That thing. doesn't happen for women, I don't think, with men. The wanting to have sex with you, do you mean? That I mean like the man, like, the, like once once the gaze of society gaze of shuts society. down yeah, yeah, on yeah. you, you're like, I'm free. I can wear whatever I want and no makeup ever. Right. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I feel like what's happening for me now is that, oh, I just don't care anymore, which is so great. And all of my men friends too, you know, like, and I'm sure it's just like kind of a coming into it more and more and more. And it's not like I don't care. Like I used to not care when I was in my twenties and I wished I was blondie. It's not that kind of, I don't care. It's just like a, I'm good. Like I don't need more friends. You know what I mean? Like I got, oh man, like I'm busy. <laughs> you know what I mean, like I, I I'm happy with my life. You know, when you get happy with your life. But I think that ageism is an interesting thing because that at I'll be 49 this year. I don't know, but whatever. Yeah. So um, that I did start to think of that when I had a meeting with a career person. You know, with my resume, mm-hmm. and um, I realized I have like. Well, 60, 20 years of, you know, like valid, like, like 401k building work in me. And like at 50, I'm a different qualifying candidate. You know what I mean? Like they start using words like that about you as a person. And like as an artist your whole life, like people never called me a candidate. You you know, I just, I also never had to um, like interview for a job. I also never left a job. I had people have leave, but I never... So now this is like a whole new thing. So I feel very visible in a lot of ways, Mm. which I've always wanted to be seen as a more whole person, not just Melissa Farrick who has that song. You know what I mean? That was was a very... That's a very hard way to live, to be seen as one thing and not allowed to be seen as, as yourself as you grow. And that's what's, I think, also a really important move for this, for me with this job is because I am an, uh, an alma mater at Berkeley, I really can only be seen as one thing there, you know? So now with this degree, you know, me standing up and really making these moves for myself and being like, I, I, I'm, I'm making the pivot here, you know, like big time, you know? Mm-hmm. It feels good. And other musicians like Jonathan, I love Jonathan Brooke, and, and she is about that, I think she's a couple years older than me, but she's such a strong force you know and Emily I love Emily Sailors too wow that's cool you got to talk to both of them about this I would love to hear those or hear more about you that. can check them out on <laughs> basic folk I will <laughs> I guess the thing that I do want to say about growing older or whatever living right now is that um 
I've got to just stop, like, future casting. You know what I mean? Like, I keep, like, throwing myself under the bus a little bit, like, oh, I'm, pre-me- I'm, I'm in menopause, or I'm going to go into menopause. Oh, I'm sweat, you know? And it's like, I'm really not quite yet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean I I'm, like, on the border of it. But, yes. like, I have, but I put myself there, like, because I think it'll be easier when I get there, then I lose this, n- this nowness, you know? So, like when can yeah. I like when you're on a plane and you feel turbulence, you're like, this is it. Plane is going down. Like I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna convince myself the plane is going down so that when the plane actually goes down, I won't care. I won't right. care. Right. It's so strange. Well, yeah. And this has me back to the thing that I'm a little obsessed with, which is the speed of sadness versus the speed of happiness. And like the fact that when you do have like Chicksamahaya, who's this very famous researcher of creativity. coined this flow phase, which I call the jet stream, which I'm going to write about a lot. But it's like when you have that aha moment, and when you have that aha moment, there's a thing, there's a part of your brain that like lights up, and not only does it light up, it makes a sound. (laughs) And I'm like, in class, I was like, what sound does it make, right? And it's like, what frequency? And is it the same frequency for everybody? Is it different for different ages? Like, what does that sound like? And can we record it? You know, because like, whatever, people recorded whale sounds. Remember that one? I'm obsessed with this right now. So my whole thing is about if what's wrong with studying sadness and the sound of that. Would you like to play another song? Sure. Yeah. This is a song called Relief. You keep on coming back You keep on keeping score Keep on asking me If I think that we're worth Fighting for But I never really came All the way And I never sat down Cause you wouldn't stop asking me why Why do I always break things? It's not that I wasn't willing It's not that I couldn't feel Maybe I shouldn't have hung around for so long Maybe I just should have bailed But I was trying for the first time Trying to give it time Cause all of my friends kept on saying You gotta let someone in To really learn why Why do I always break things? I want to stop because I want to call myself out On something that I was just talking about Which is that I began thinking uh, While I was playing the song Did you notice that? And so when I began thinking I, because I messed up right after I started thinking and then I was laughing in my head because I was like, you came out of the thinking, the not thinking while you play and you were just talking about that and then I messed up again and then I was laughing more and I was completely conscious of where I am now and um, so, and then I was like, you might as well stop because they can edit this and you can just play the whole song again. Meanwhile, I'm still playing and singing the whole time, <laughs> right? But, but while I'm doing all of that, I'm not connected to the song or therefore unconnected to the song, right? So it's just terrible. And it's not like you don't know. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe some of you do, but like there's a feeling of like, what's happening Chris here? O'Brien, did you yeah. know? Right? Chris, did you know? I, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a weirdness. Yeah, but that's because, Chris, you've known me for so long, and you know that. What I will do is I will play through anything because my first music teacher used to hit me on the wrist with his bow. And no, not in a bad way. He would just tap me. 1976, it was all good. They would tap you with the bow and say, play through it, play through it. And I would never stop. I would play through every mistake. And so anyway, I'm not I'd like to start this. Out. Yeah, I, I, okay, good. I want to start the song again. All right, cool. Now watch me not think. (laughs) All right, Matt, can you turn it up just a little bit in my wedge or whatever, the guitar? Yeah, thanks. You 
keep on coming back You keep on keeping score You wanna keep on asking me what I You keep on coming back You keep on keeping score You keep on asking me If I think that we're worth fighting for I never really came all the way And I never sat down Because you wouldn't stop asking me why Do I always break things? It's not that I wasn't willing It's not that I couldn't feel Maybe I shouldn't have hung around for so long Maybe I just should have bailed But I was trying for the first time Trying to give it time Because all of my friends kept on saying You gotta let someone in To really learn why Do I always break things? First there was the Northridge earthquake And then there was a drive-by hate crime Then there were the hands of that guilty man Thoughts inside of my head I could not stop and I could not stand So that's why, that's why It's kind of hard for me to trust sometimes That's why, that's why But I got a book about forgiveness Promises to set me free I'm gonna take every single suggestion Set off flares signaling I need relief Because I gotta find some strength Yeah, I wanna find some strength I wanna find some strength in something other Something other other than me I got a wooden banister I've got the face of my grandmother And I got the words of Mary Oliver And they bring me relief Oh, relief Thanks, thanks. Mary Oliver. Yeah, I know, so sad she's gone, but so beautiful, and I think it was good. It was real good. I like, feel like the first 10 times I listened to that song, I didn't catch the Mary Oliver references until, <gasps> until you played it tonight, and uh, it's funny, the song is called Relief, and Mary Oliver is in there, and I think like, it's interesting when I was like going through a state where I was looking for re- relief and for and and looking for anything like you make references like I'll take anything that you've got. I remember my dad sent me a couple of Mary Oliver poems mm. and I just sat there like studying them and yeah. definitely just something that really hardcore resonated with me yeah. at that moment. Um, it's just, funny I I didn't use her first name on purpose because I want female writers and people who identify as not just, you know, cis white men <laughs> to be able to, not that they're bad people because they're wonderful people, a lot of them, but um, to be known by just their last name, you know, you can say Faulkner, you can say Elliot. Dylan. Um, Dylan, yeah. So, um, so I just decided to just say Oliver. And mm. um, now I do say, I do sing Mary Oliver live because there's a lot of people that so you have to teach it, right, to have it, and people then... Anyway, I just think it's kind of cool. I kind of like calling her Oliver, too, because I, if I had been a boy, I always... That's like a name I wished I had. I wish that that was my name. I think it's a cool name. Also, I wanted to be an Oliver the Play, but the, the director in sixth grade, it, her son was up for the part, too, and he got it, and I got Mr. Bumble. But what I... It's okay. It was a good part. But what I did was I learned every single line of every single character. I don't have control problems or anything. And, um, and they gave me a mug at the end of it. That was kind of like for the most valuable. Wow. Yeah. Because t- yeah, when kids were forgetting their lines, like, I was like... Psst, psst, psst. Oh, 
Oh, man, just like Megan Rapino. Is that what she did? Yeah. She got the boot, right? Oh, that's she right, yeah. got the yeah. boot, MVP. Yeah. I got the bowl of porridge, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> also in that song, there's a line about your, the, your grandmother. Yeah. Can you tell us about her? Sure. It's my, um, my maternal grandmother, Genevieve. Uh, Connor Smithson. She's passed on now, but she uh, passed away actually um, in 2011, the night before my show here at Passim. Or the, I think it was the night before. No, the night after I played here. Anyway, the last time I saw her was that Thanksgiving before that um, Christmas. She would always touch my face with both of her hands every time I saw her. And, and that's such an intimate thing to do. Someone you don't know wouldn't touch your face. You know what I mean? This is like a very weird thing to do. I've actually had, like, back in the day when fans were kind of nuts about me, you know, this one time I remember someone touched my face, and I really was just like, it felt like such a, uh, like, it, it upsets me for myself now. I was so like, Ugh, you know what I mean? It's like, don't touch my face. That's weird. My grandmother does that. Um, <laughs> like, or your mom. And so anyway, so, but this thing, she touched my face, and I touched hers back with both of my hands. And her skin was so soft from life. She'd been softened, you know. And when I started with the wooden banister, because when I was a kid, I loved going into the basement. And I grew up in a house that was built in 1650. And um, so the banister, as you can imagine, had a lot of hands on it. And um, in the basement, my dad had these wooden chisels. And um, I loved being allowed to use them. Because they were, like, dangerous. You know, when you're young and your parent lets you use something that is, like, kind of beyond your capability, it feels awesome. And so um, I loved going, and he had a pool table in there that you had to use, the, the stick had to be cut in half. You couldn't get a shot anywhere, really. It was like a, it was like a this, but it was a full-size table with the cutoff. And I just loved it. So I decided to do the wooden banister, the face of my grandmother, and the words of Mary Oliver as three separate things, like, you know, wood, skin, and words. All things that are worn. And that remi- reminds me because when I, the, this song originally was called Worn Out. And that was the only part I had that I liked. The, the wooden banners to the face of my grandmother and the words of Oliver. And it was like, I'm all worn out. And it was like really, really angry. And I was like, this is terrible. I'm not worn out. What is this song really, really about? So I had to go back and rewrite it. Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. What were the ceilings like in your 1650s house? Were they <laughs> very close sure. to your head? Yeah. <laughs> and then did you, did you also have a pala? I don't know what that is. A parlor? <laughs> like you have, you have a bathroom? No, no. And North a North Shore. A, a bathroom. We say bath. No, but we had a secret room and, uh, in the house behind the fireplaces. And also the, there was a tunnel through the basement that went to the cemetery. And it was part of the Underground Railroad. For, and yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's on High Street and Mineral in Ipswich. It's, it's, you should go. Well, I don't think they let people in. It's not like a... They, these people bought it and made it really fancy. But my, you know, my family, my dad was a public school teacher his whole life. So they bought that house and he rented... They, my mother and father rented out half of it in order to pay the mortgage. It had 54 windows. And we moved seven times in six years and never left the house. My dad likes to tell that story. <laughs> Between the doors. <laughs> We kept switching sides with our, with our tenants because we were all friends. Be like, want to switch living rooms? And be oh, like, man. let's have a party, you know? <laughs> Kentucky Derby weekend. Let's move the furniture. In the pala? And no, who knows? No, not the pala. When you're little, though, that's what you do. Your parents just make you move stuff because what else is there to do? So where are we in the set? Because you were going to play Careful? Yeah. Do you still want to play that or no? No. Okay. Let's play the new song. Okay. Do you want to set that's it Because that's it. That's late. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, we'll set it up for us. All right. And how about a round of applause for Melissa Ferrickford? Stand up, Pastor Bedtime. Oh, thank you. I think it's so awesome that you're doing this. 
And I feel like we can't say the name. Is it okay? So she worked at the station WYEP, right? Yeah, in Pittsburgh. I, I just want to make sure I have it because it's one of these places that I think I could speak for a lot of us traveling troubadourians. That was like a destination because we knew we would get to see Cindy and we knew we would get played on the radio and we knew we would get an interview. And um, there's only a few places like that throughout this country where you really can rely on someone being like, yes, you can come on my morning. Really, you, you, you mean a lot to us. And, um, and so it's so great to have you here. <clears throat> and um, yeah. And is Club Cafe gone? No, it's, it's oh, okay. Still, yeah. Not yet. I know. It's so sad. Yeah. Club Cafe is kind of like the club passim sized yeah. venue in Pittsburgh and it's right around the corner from WIP so it's very convenient to yeah. like play a live session at WIP and then go play your gig. You play your gig and then you stay at the Sheraton and hope that there isn't a Steelers game. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's all yes. the same side of the river. That's yeah. right, right. <laughs> if you do Priceland in your hotels on the other side of the river, it ruins your trip to Pittsburgh because <laughs> if you have to switch sides of the river on their bridges, you will trust me. You, you won't do it the right way, and just they'll let a, you know. Get a kayak. Just yeah, you're better off in a kayak yeah. or just swimming. It's not yeah. that far. <laughs> you don't want to swim in that. So I hadn't written a song in three years um, until this song, and I want to thank my professor for uh, allowing me to do this as my final for the summer class I took with her called Emotion in Learning, and it was a great course. She has um, severe, severe dyslexia, like really, really bad, and she's this like total amazing smart person about changing the perspective of a disability being uh, not the exception, but the norm in a classroom <laughs> and I think that that's really cool and I'm, I've also learned this new term that I am a temporarily abled body cool right really I was cool. like that's smart <laughs> <laughs> I just paid 50 grand to learn that <laughs> I was like thank you very much but uh but yeah, it made, made like this universal learning design and like thinking about teaching and always putting like why not always have the closed captioning on you know, when you're showing a, a video. Why not? You know, some, some people learn better listening and some people learn better reading and all that. So I wanted to do this, uh, to try to write a new song and it was really about um, this like emotional mapping of process. It's called So Far Gone and the, f- the, the, the first lyric is, um, where did you go? Words I used to have. Are you so far gone? You can't get back. And so I'm, I'm speaking to the lyric.
Melissa Farrick. My gosh, those songs are just like, I mean, I was writing the interview questions and listening to the songs that she told me she was going to play ahead of time. And I was like, man, these questions write themselves. She's such an awesome songwriter. Thanks to Melissa Farrick for appearing in our very first Basic Folk Live episode. And one more time, let's thank our sponsors for Basic Folk. Basic Folk receives support from McDean, songwriters who love each other. McDean would be delighted to send you a free CD of their first EP, The Sampler Plate. Email lin at mcdean.co, lin at mcdean.co to get one. And thanks to WIUP in Indiana, Pennsylvania, which airs Basic Folk 2 p.m. Eastern every Saturday. You can listen on 90.1 if you're in the Indiana, PA area or at their website, WIUPFM.org. Adam Corey produced Basic Folk. Laura McCarthy, also a producer for Basic Folk. Lindsay Myers is our business manager. Thanks to Lou Howes for opening Club Passim's Basic Folk live event. Thank you to everyone at Club Passim, especially thanks to Matt Smith, who also was our sound engineer that night. I'm Cindy Howes, host of this podcast, and you can sign up for our newsletter at cindyhouse.net. There's also show notes you can check out, and you can join our Basic Folk Basics Facebook group, I have another live at Club Passim episode to share with you next week. I'll talk to you then. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.